Instagram at Soccer Podcast. Um, and I'm here with just Ryan Sergeant and Mazamalegi. Um, doing the doing the South by Southwest thing. I gotta say I'm a little jealous with his travel plans recently. Um, doesn't get to work it doesn't get, you know, as much social interaction as perhaps he would like, but um, you know, a lot of working trips. But I mean, he couldn't get Raekwon on the podcast, so it's a little disappointing, but... (laughs) Can we actually say that? (laughs) Uh, uh, Too late. (laughs) Too late. Too late. So, a lot lot to review um, from from yesterday, uh, today. Um, Some big games involving some big Premier League teams uh, that didn't go so well for those Premier League teams. And Ryan, as a Spurs fan, do do you feel like a little... Uh, I don't know. Is this like cathartic for you this week to watch these two games? Uh, I don't want to say cathartic. What's more cathartic is the mirror rumor that um, PSG is not going to go after Pochettino, but Conte instead. And that's actually been reported by uh, uh, Grant Wall of, uh, I think that's how you say his name, Wall or something, um, of Fox Sports that that he, the same source that provided Grant the uh, Conte to Chelsea rumor uh, is providing him the Conte to PSG rumor. So that's more cathartic if that's true than United or Chelsea taking L. So we'll cross my fingers for that. But yeah, it was a, I mean, the Champions League is a hard tournament, man. These are the best teams in the world. And if you don't, in Man United's case, play your best players and have the best strategy. And in Chelsea's case, you just get drawn up against a really good team. Like, you will lose games. And so that kind of, it did, you know, kind of reconfirm that this is a hard tournament. And just because Spurs went out in the round of 16 does not, like, is not an embarrassment because two other big names also in England have, have come down. Yeah, I mean, England looked poised to have the most teams out of any leagues in the round of eight. Uh, and yeah, I, I wouldn't say Chelsea blew it by any means. Chelsea was not a favorite to advance. Um, but obviously United, uh, being defeated by Sevilla and then allowing a, a third La Liga team to enter the round of eight, which is impressive considering we thought they might've taken second place in best league in the world, uh, behind the premier league. So I want to talk to you about that game because I think that game was the shock of the week. Um, certainly for I mean, anyone that watched it, anyone is peripherally aware of the Champions League. Uh, you have, well, you know, the maybe self-proclaimed one of the best coaches in the world in Jose Mourinho. He definitely um, whether, will pro- proclaim that. Whether or not you, you agree with that is another thing. Um, versus a, a team that has, is struggling in La Liga right now out of a Champions League spot uh, and really don't have enough games left in the season to get back into the Champions League. I mean, Sevilla, yeah, they're going to be in the Copa del Rey final um, against Barcelona, but uh, yeah, struggling as of lately. Some some team drama with Ben Yedder, who ends up being the hero uh, in this tie versus United. Um, talk to me a little bit about the this game from yesterday. Yeah, this game was, we kind of, we'll say kind of predicted it. Also, not too long ago, they gave up five. Sevilla gave up five to Madrid and five to Ibar. So, yeah, they're, they're not having the greatest uh, yeah. league, league performance this year. But we, we kind of called and, it last weekend when we said... To- 
and five to Valencia, I believe, just the weekend before. I, I have to double check that, but I, I believe they lost like five two to Valencia, uh, and that really just solidified. They lost two um, nil to Valencia, but still pretty pretty bad. Result. Okay, yeah. okay, maybe I'm just thinking of the Ibar. Yeah. Anyway, continue. But as I was saying, we mentioned it on last week's pod where, you know, we thought that Sevilla had the best chance of Sevilla and Chelsea to go through. And I'm I'm glad to say that we were absolutely correct. And this is like such a just a such a stark contrast from what we saw from Anu this weekend, this past weekend, where and I'll credit Mazin, they were a professional, well-organized team, you know, went out and just got, did what they needed to do against Liverpool, secured three points at home and, you know, took care of business. And it seemed very, it seemed obvious and almost, you know, pre-subscribed, or that's not the right phrase, but whatever. Um, It seemed very much like this was going to, same thing was going to happen to Sevilla, um, especially playing at home. And then Mourinho comes out, doesn't start Pogba again, um, starts Fellaini, which like, I guess kind of makes sense if this is the first leg and you're looking to just, you know, do what they did in Sevilla and take a nil-nil draw into the second leg. But starting Fellaini uh, early like this in a game you have to score and you have to basically win or score and draw was confusing to me, especially when you have Pogba sitting there on the bench. And then, you know, Pogba comes out on the 60th minute, but Sevilla, like, didn't didn't back down. They played Manu. They took it to Manu for at times. They had stretch where they looked, they were the more dangerous team. Um, the shots were pretty even at the end of the game, at the end of the day. Um, you know, Manu had definitely had chances uh, and definitely looked dangerous at times in attack. This was not necessary necessarily a Mourinho, you know, park the bus special, but, you know, Rico, the Sevilla goalkeeper made a couple of like really solid saves. Um, Flaney actually had the best chance in the early in the first part of the first half when he, you know, came screaming down the wing and, and ripped a shot and was parried away really nicely. And so, and then, you know, Vincenzo Montella for Sevilla, this, um, another Italian manager, by the way, into the round of eight, um, for, for champions league. But, uh, Take off takes off Luis Muriel, who is just not having a very good game, kind of had a couple of chances he would probably like to have again against De Gea. Puts on Ben Yedder, and Ben Yedder, I mean, their first goal was just beautiful. Just some beautiful passing, just slicing through, um, is it Bailey and, and Young there? And, you know, Ben Yedder puts in one. Uh, actually, it was really kind of interesting. Three minutes later, uh, Lingard and Valencia come off, and he put... Uh, Mourinho puts on Mata and Martel, and then it doesn't matter. A minute later, Yetter gets another one, which is a bit of a, a kind of a fluke. The ball bounced around a bunch, um, but they all of a sudden we look up and Sevilla kind of likes what Juventus did to Spurs. They needed five minutes. They got a couple of chances. They capitalized. Uh, Lukaku got one back, which was, it was a nice goal. It was a nice setup, but. Sevilla did the job, man. They they brought in the subs, the killer sub, uh, got the two goals, and. For the most up into the thing that is the most surprising though is not that they went and got two goals and sat back, is that until the 74th minute when Yetter scored, they were equal or the better team to Man U. And that I think is really due to Marino not playing his best lineup. I really think that he got out coached by Montella here. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, right? So, on the one hand, I agree. It was kind of the wrong time to be lineup tinkering 
you know, you, you paid all this money for Pogba and there's like these rumors about is Pogba injured? Is he not injured? Things like that. Um, Fellaini is a weird start when you have McTominay, uh, who's been playing games, who's been playing well. And playing pretty well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, and then on the other... Or start hand, Mata. Start Juan Mata. If you're going to not play or Pogba... Start, or, exactly. Or, store, or, or start Juan Mata, who up until the point of getting Alexis Sanchez was starting every game. Um, on the other hand, the lineup that uh, United, the lineup that Mourinho put on the field should be able to speed Sevilla. It, it, point blank. Uh, you Absolutely. Know, it, it, yeah. do, it doesn't matter if you have Fellaini. It doesn't matter if you don't have Pogba. Yeah, playing Jesse Lingard, I think, is, is totally fine. I, I, he, looked, I really, he looked fine. He looked fine. Um, there's enough talent. There's enough... Uh, yeah, there's, yeah, there's enough talent on that field to beat Sevilla. To beat a team that's in fifth place in La Liga, to beat a team that, um, you know, plays well, but really, until the 75th minute, was only generating half chances, mainly through Muriel on the left side. Um, Sevilla controlled the ball. They generated, you know, some good shots, not great shots. But ultimately, I think this goes to the same problem that Mourinho had in both games where he didn't take it to them in either game. Um, and, you know, whether you think that's because he didn't start the right midfield, so he didn't start Pogba and Maktamane and they weren't able to generate enough uh, to get it upfield to Lukaku or, um, or or whatever, you know, you think the excuse is, they, they're just, they weren't clinical enough in the attacking half of the field. I mean, that's the bottom line. You're absolutely right. They weren't attacking enough. But I think this also goes back to what we were saying, what was it, three weeks ago with the first leg, is when you don't really try to score on the road, like, they really didn't didn't try to, to, to put a ton in the net there. You just, like, your risk profile, like, the, like, you're just you open it up like now you have a riskier scenario where like you can't give up a goal and it's like why 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 hold yourself up like i know this is sevilla i know this is a team that you should beat with your a minus b plus team but this is still the champions league you know they're going to give you everything they have why 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 it's still I, i will come back to that first leg not even really trying to get a goal and like isolating lukaku uh, as your one offensive attempt there. Like, this is what happens when you don't try. You know, you open yourself up for a mistake, and then Sevilla, kudos to them, but they took advantage of it. Like, what hap- What would have happened if Yetter didn't score the second goal and it was just a 1-1 game? The same result, Sevilla goes through because a scoreless draw in, in Spain. So I think this comes down to this lays on the feet of Mourinho here. Like, they weren't clinical, but they also opened themselves up to this type of result. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty easy to Monday, uh, you know, Monday morning quarter. Oh, absolutely, and it's, we're we're great at it. Yeah, I mean, every, <laughs> all, all fans are great at it, right? Um, I I don't. I think it's on the one hand you could say that Sevilla, you know, their coach outcoached Mourinho, but I, I think on the other hand, just like Mourinho outcoached himself, you know, it's That's like fair. yeah, <laughs> he he made the decisions that he always makes. He went into the first leg. We we knew it. We knew that this was what was going to happen in the first leg. I could have, you know, would have been 
totally fine with putting money on a 0-0 draw uh, at, at Sevilla. And then, you know, between that decision, then the decision to make the lineups that he did uh, in the first and second games, you know, the strategy going into the second game, these are all decisions that, that are on Mourinho. And, and I didn't like them at the time. Uh, I didn't like his response to the game uh, in the post-match comments. Did you catch what he said? No, I, I don't. I don't necessarily follow a ton of post-match comments, it, but I'm know, curious I, to hear now. It, he basically said, like, I've been in this position before, meaning I've been eliminated from the Champions League before, and United has been in this position before. Uh, meaning that they've been knocked out in the round in the round of sixteen. <laughs> it, it was like a really weird deflection on how terrible his decision making was uh, over the past what is it three or so weeks. You know. Yeah, I mean that's what Mourinho does. He deflects away from his players. Like that when they're winning, it's a brilliant tactic because he he either sucks all the oxygen out of the room and like media oxygen, or you know he blames the ref or blames an offside call or something. So he's he's very good at deflecting attention away from his players. But that is a weird comment to say. Like yeah, we've both gone gone for this before. Like no big deal. Like yeah, it's kind of a big deal. <laughs> it's Sevilla. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what what more does he need, right? What, like, how much more do you need to succeed? You you got one of the best draws that you could have got in the round of sixteen. You know, no with home on the second leg. <laughs> with, home, with home on the second leg, right? I don't know what else you could point to on the field. I I think just it has to. You know, the onus is on him. That's that's the bottom line. It's it's not, uh, you know, it's not on the players not performing because Paul Pogba wasn't on the field for most of the game in the second leg. You can't say, well, you know, my, my elite summer signing didn't perform in this game. Um, Speaking of like signings, Alexis Sanchez looks bad (laughs) in a man United uniform, like multiple games now, but he was toothless today or yesterday. Excuse me. Yeah. I I think he's like an interesting signing for them. They're just having a lot of trouble integrating him uh, into the like flow of the game. Yeah. I mean, he's, we were talking about this on, on Slack during the game yesterday and thank you, Boston snowstorm for letting me work from home. So I could watch this champions league game for the first time in like years. Um, (laughs) But like Sanchez works really well when he's on the wing, feeding the middle of the field or feeding strikers. Like he needs support through the middle and, in United on United because he wants Matic and Fellaini, Fellini and sometimes Pogba like to stay back. Like he's kind of on an island, kind of in the way that Lukaku can be on an island. Now he has support from Lukaku, but like he's just like he doesn't seem to fit. And like maybe this is this like this feeling out process that like getting him integrated, but like he. He just doesn't. He seems very uncomfortable with this team um, when he's out in the field, and it's it's just this Sevilla match was it was pretty obvious that he's just yeah. not integrated yet. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, they're you know a lot of their success, they being United success this season to me uh, was by through their wing play, whether it be Rashford, whether it be Lingard, whether it be um, Martial, you know, and playing both wings with that pace. 
uh, they're able to provide Wukaku a lot into the middle. They're able to provide Pogba a lot in the middle. And it's like Sanchez isn't the same type of player as those two guys. Um, oh, he's not like so, a sprinter in the same way. No, he's not a sprinter. I mean, his work rate tends to be questionable at times. Uh, sometimes he looks great and he works really hard, but I, I don't think you get that uh, as often as some of these younger guys who are still trying to fight their way, not only into the United squad, but into like the England squad, for example. Yeah. Um, so I, it hasn't been that long, right? Like we can't write him off after, what is it, just two months. But Yeah, we should have. Um, You're right. But, but he, I, I agree with you. He does look lost on the field. Um, it, it's almost like, you know, you have some flow in the game that doesn't necessarily involve him. And then you have this separate, these separate plays that only go through him. It, there's like a disconnect, if you get what I mean. Yeah, um, yeah. Between, between when he handles the ball and when the rest of the team handles the ball. And it's almost like the type of the type of chances that you generate from the rest of the team versus just him uh, are, are just different. I, I don't know. He, he's lost. I think probably his best position would be directly behind Lukaku. Um, but they're but not going to play that type of formation. They're just not going to put wingers and then a striker and then a 10 up there. Like that's just not what Mourinho has been wanting to play. Right. I, I don't know. I, I don't, you know, we we don't give him credit for his in-game or for his ability to change his tactics, but maybe it's something now that he has, um, you know, more of a wealth of riches than I think he's typically used to, uh, at least. <laughs> at least <laughs> say that, to, but then you look at his history. <laughs> well, no, at, at least compared to, like, what he had at Chelsea, for example. Um, I, I would say, I mean, this United squad is really, really solid. Yeah, it's um, it's very talented, absolutely. Um, and it's weird because we can't really say it's underperforming because there's like they're solidly second in the league and in the FA Cup still. And yes, this is a bad result, but like if you look and if you look at United's only like Champions League history the past like since they made the finals in 2010. Group stage out, uh, Europa 16, that 11-12. Then round of 16, out. Then quarters out. Then didn't qualify. Then uh, two years ago, out in the group stage, out in Europa 16. And then last year, Europa winner. So, like, this fits right in with how Menu is played in Europe. And they're they're kind of the... They they are the reason why, like, the whole, like, England is bad in, on Champions League, effectively, is that they've, like performed poorly so it's weird we've talked about how marino has like been a you know at times detriment to united but they're still having this like oddly as Madison keeps on saying like successful and professional year uh they just like this is an example of when it's gone bad and it's weirdly and oddly fit in with united's kind of poor form in europe since basically the last eight years or so yeah it's just to me it's really it's bizarre. There's almost like this intense focus on making the top four, making the Champions League, and being there next season. And sometimes teams lose sight of like when they're actually in the competition. You know, it's like it's like there's more pressure. And obviously, there's financial implications there, right? Like making. I think that's the main driver. Yeah. Right. Right. But it's like United had a 
perfect opportunity here. Uh, they were the favorites to make the round of eight. And now what we're talking about is, well, they're going to be back next year. It's like they should have put themselves in a position where uh, not only would it, had they have been in the round of eight, but they really wouldn't have been dogs, like huge dogs versus any team that's left. Sure, you know, Barcelona and Bayern are, and are great teams, but, I mean, it's still a really solid, really uh, well-put-together United team. I, I, I don't know. It, it's, a, it, it's really strange how, how that becomes the focus, right? Getting into the Champions League versus, like, well, we're here. We should probably, <laughs> you know, be putting forth our best efforts there. No, you're um, right. And I wonder, like, we talked about the, I, I mean, I mentioned it a little bit how the, the English teams have just historic, historically, like, since, I mean, Chelsea won it in 2012. And besides that, really nothing this decade. And I think a little bit of that is a mindset where you're, you're absolutely right, where, like, it really matters so much because of how like competitive the top six is like really what matters is just getting in the top four and getting to Europe. Whereas like Barcelona, Munich, PSG, they Madrid's, they know they're going to be in champions league every year. And so they can, there's a bit of a mindset where they say, well, let's go and win the damn thing instead of just worrying about being there and then focusing on the league to get there next year. So I think a little bit of that is driven by the financial payoff and then like how competitive it's been to get to, to, to Europe. And that becomes your more, your more of your focus is just like staying up there versus, you know, really winning. You know, we talked about, and we talked about it like with Spurs before they went out a few weeks ago and like, what do you prioritize? And Barcelona is a great, I mean, Barcelona is the best, maybe the best team in the world right now, but, um, you know, what do you prioritize? Barcelona doesn't have to worry about that in the same way because they know they're always going to be in the league, so or in the Champions League next year. So it's just, I think the competition and the money has has something to do with that. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point by you. Um, last last thought on United: if they win the FA Cup, right? So they they're pretty solidly in second place with eight games left. If they win the FA Cup, and this is sort of the the Arsenal question, is this a <laughs> successful season, season given the way that they went out of the Champions League if they win the FA Cup? So if they finish second and win the FA Cup, I think it's a, I think it's a successful season because it is a trophy. It would be their third trophy in a row, FA Cup 2015, Europa last year, FA Cup this year. These are not the best trophies, but they're trophies. Um, it also, if they finish in second, it would be their best finish since they won the league in 2012-13. So that, I think, is more important um, than Champions League. That like They had a pretty dominant Premier League run um, outside of a couple of, you know, the loss of Spurs and, and city results. So I think it's been a pretty successful, you know, expectations and drama and, you know, talent wise, you could argue maybe not, but I think from a like historical results standpoint, I think this is a pretty good year for Manu if they win the FA cup. All right. Um, real quick. The other game from yesterday, Roma, exciting, exciting win for Roma. Uh, completely outplayed in the first half by a Shakhtar team that had the uh, advantage um, coming from the Ukraine. They were up 2-1. Uh, 
Roma outplayed in the first half. It wasn't looking good for the Italians, and then Ed and Jacko puts one in. Um, sort of, sort of a strange goal. I don't know if you had a chance to catch it, but uh, Shakhtar's goalie is playing great the entire game. Veteran goalkeeper, uh, and then he, it's an Ed and Jacko almost toe poke through the way, like at the tip of the eighteen yard box, and it just into <laughs> that. <laughs> For, yeah, for 15 or so yards, and that winds up being the game winner. Um, Shakhtar takes a red, a, a red in the, I think, like 70th or 78th. Yeah, yeah some, something late. Um, so it sort of relieved Roma pressure. Um, Italy, though, two teams in the final eight. Pretty impressive. It is impressive. Uh, I mean, Roma, Roma did what they needed to do. I did not... This game was, I believe, on Facebook, um, for all, of all things. Yeah, it, was, uh, it was. It was on Facebook, yeah. So your streaming options were actually, you know, readily available, but I was watching Sevilla uh, Menu and ostensibly doing work. So, uh, yeah, I, this good good on Roma. They are probably the pick of everyone they want to get drawn with, um, I assume. I would agree, yeah. Just because the the talent level just isn't quite there, like Sevilla, the Sevilla talent is not great, but I think Sevilla has players; they're just not as well known. Um, but Roma also has, you know, Brazil's number one keeper in Allison, who is like really freaking good. So, you know, he he could maybe steal you on a on a road a road draw or something. So, yeah, it's gonna be exciting. Uh, all right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about the games today. games from today, Bayern played a throwaway game at, at an early game, uh, wound up beating Besikas uh, 3-1 in Turkey. I don't know if you saw it, but there was a cat that evaded the pitch, so that's always Beautiful looking way. cat, nice little ginger Beautiful, guy. great, great looking cat. Um, but the game of the day and wasn't really much of a game because of Messi's, the fastest goal of Messi's career, which I still find hard to believe. Um, <laughs> Chelsea Barcelona, Barcelona cruising three nothing. Um, were you able to catch any of this game today? I know you said you had a snow day yesterday, so I figured you maybe you were a little bit uh, overworked today. Yeah, today was a busy day. Um, I, I had a I won't give you too many details, but I had a a meeting that I was like, oh yeah, this is fine. I'll uh, I'll, I'll catch some highlights after, and then a hundred minutes later, I was like, oh, I missed the entire game. But I did see <laughs> did see the goals, saw some um, some valiant efforts from Chelsea. I will say that uh, it looks like if I'm uh, Courtois, I'm pretty upset with myself because you should not get beat short side through the legs twice. Twice, I mean, because similar goals from opposite sides of the field, um, especially that first goal. I mean, that, that first That's goal bad. really yeah. surprised me. You know, you're, I understand your confidence is down in the third goal, and you know, I'm not going to excuse the same mistake. But um, and then, eh, you know, probably an unpopular decision uh, opinion, but I would say even the second goal. I mean, Dembele rocked that shot. That was but his hand look, on it, right? It looks right. like it was deflected it, it, by the it, defenseman. It, goes, it, it, does, it does go off his hand, uh, Courtois' hand, so you could make the argument that, you know, if I thought he did a great job of cutting down the angle on that shot. Yeah. Um, 
but th- but then he doesn't have a strong hand. You know, not to say he's going to save that. That shot again was rocked uh, into the upper corner. But um, you yeah. know, perhaps if he had a little bit of a stronger hand, you could say that Courtois, uh, you know, maybe not responsible for the second one, but certainly had a part in all three goals. Yeah, I will uh, say that uh, that part. second one, like. You want to say if you want like if you have a son and you ever want them to play that Messi ten role, show them that goal because Messi using Suarez's run into the box to clear space from Nabele, it was just like beautiful. And then like he picks his head up and puts that pass right to like it was such a perfect like knowing how the defense is going to react and like, reading it just wonderful. Like that goal was. Perfect. I mean. Messi's to me, Messi's greatest contribution to the game wasn't those two wasn't weren't his two goals. Who was that goal? That second goal where you know he starts the run from. Yeah. I want to say like, it, you know, a it little was bit almost near mid- midfield, right? They they win possession yeah, exactly. and he just takes it was, off. It was, yeah. It was almost mid the way the way he's he's you know poking it around defenders. Yeah, exactly. He's running around defenders and then just the the setup for Dembele is is beautiful. Um. So, I mean, a couple of things from this tie, because it's almost like Chelsea were the polar opposite of United. Uh, Chelsea really took it to Barcelona, uh, both home and away. I mean, I was impressed. Ten more shots uh, at goal than Barcelona did. Granted, Barcelona uh, it, Barcelona shot on goal efficiency is much, much higher, <laughs> as, as, as expected, uh, anytime you're watching a Barcelona team. Um, but Chelsea really took it to them. I mean, three posts, three posts over the course of the two games, uh, a couple of great saves, um, a couple of great saves from Barca's keeper. Um, and you know, it, it's like you said earlier, it's like, you know, you could either, it, it's a tough competition and, and Chelsea were just unfortunate to draw probably the best team left in the competition right now. Um, despite playing really well really didn't have a lot to show for it today. Yeah, I mean, we, we saw, we talked about it the first leg, like Chelsea went out and had a great game plan and looked dangerous, and, you know, they didn't give up and roll over. Like, I think if Chelsea, this is a weird, like, counterfactual, but if Chelsea was in Man U's position, like, they would have eased, they would have like smoked, smoked Sevilla because they, they cared and they were, and not like Man yeah. U didn't care, but like Chelsea was just in a better position to succeed than, than Man U was. And yes, they got the kind of the worst result, but I thought, I thought Chelsea, I was impressed with Chelsea today. I liked um, Giroud uh, as the central striker. Um, one thing that I do want to bring up from this game is Hazard's play. So Hazard today, um, of all the people in the attacking half of the field, had, aside from Olivier Giroud, which he's a central striker, he's just not going to have as many touches. Hazard actually had the second least touches um, of the attacking half of the field. And then he had the third least touches total on the team. And that's not something you expect from him. Um, in a game where, I mean, he, you know, he's usually their point guy, right? He, the, the play flows through him. Um, I, I thought he fell short today. Um, it's, it's sort of an interesting, I, I, I do like where Conti is going with the lineup. Uh, cause Hazard also was clearly unhappy playing 
you know, the false striker. <laughs> yeah, the false striker role. Um, sure, it happened to work against Barcelona in the first leg, uh, and you know, it worked. Um, uh, it worked for some Premier League games against lesser opponents, but ultimately, uh, you know, it's not what they should be doing moving forward, considering they bought Morata and Juru. Um, I, I liked where Conte was going with it. He's sort of playing a like a three-three-two-one, where your your two are really like Hazard and William, and then you had. Um, and then you could, you know, switch out Murata or Chiru Yeah, that makes sense. And, and that allows you playing a back three, like, you're, against Barcelona, you're going to want three center backs and two yeah. full backs out there. And, and that allows you to keep Alonso on the left side. It allows you to keep Moses on the right side. You can keep Conte in the middle um, or, or Fabregas in the middle and, and play Conte further back in, in that second three line. Yeah. Um, it, you know, I, I think Conte tried doing different things, and despite not seeing it in the results you saw it in their play um they you know they kind of took it to barcelona granted they were down to nothing pretty quickly and i'm sure barcelona you know played a little bit of more of a relaxed style um yeah i mean what i'm looking now and again i don't have a because i'm not seeing the full game it looks like rakitic just kind of ate hazard's lunch in terms of like touching touches and heat map yeah, oh, yeah. they both were like the reason why Hazard may not have had the great game is because Rakitic is, I think, criminally underrated as a defensive and attacking mid. Like, yeah, true box-to-box, yeah. I don't know if he's underrated, but he's an unbelievable player. Um, I think the big turning point of this game, though, for me, it was, like, 50th minute uh, in Barcelona's 18-yard box. Giroud goes down. Not only does he go down but gets a yellow for diving after what I thought was a queer foul uh, mm. by, I believe it was PK, clips his, clips his heels after Drew makes like a pretty wonderful turn uh, after receiving the ball and, and sort of had a, a one-on-one with Cole. Um, and that, the score at the time was 2 nothing. So, you know, Chelsea's awarded penalty there. It could potentially be 2-1 and you have an entirely different game on your hands. Um, and that was right, right, right before, right after they hit um, Alonso hit the post, right? Uh, it was, it was right after Alonso like came super close to hitting the post uh, on a three kick yeah, right before it, that. Yeah, I, I think I think Alonso hit the post right before the half, if I'm not mistaken. I, okay. I, it, yeah. it was or like stoppage right, time. Right, yeah, it was it was right before, or right after uh, the half. But I mean, either way, uh, yeah. Not, not making excuses for Chelsea, but I, I thought that was a big decision in the game. Um, but ultimately, I mean, Barca just proved to be too much for Chelsea and, and you know, got the job done at home. Something United, for example, were not able to do. Absolutely. And, I mean, I would, I think we'd all would put Barcelona definitely a step above United, but United wants to be Barcelona. And they both were in a similar position. And one team, you know, scoreline wise, pretty clearly uh, took care of business, and another, another didn't. So that's where we're at right now. <laughs> so, so what's left for the Chelsea squad? Um, Chelsea is actually in an interesting position with Antonio Conte. Um, Chelsea outside looking in right now on the top four, um, four points behind. Uh, 
I, I believe four points behind um, Liverpool. Liverpool. Liverpool, right? Five points behind Spurs. Um, well behind on goal difference, so they're not. Well be, they're going well to get on points. Yeah. Well behind on goal difference, and and you know again, only have the FA Cup left. So same question for Chelsea. You know, if they win the FA Cup this year, but don't make the top four, is that a successful season for them? Given the given that they were the champions last year, that's a that's a really good question. Uh, if if everything finishes as is, they finish fifth. Um, don't have any silverware. Say they say they go to the FA Cup final and like lose to Spurs or something. Just picking a random team. Um, <laughs> I think that's a it's a disappointing year. Uh, they are like they have a history of winning the champion, you know, winning the league and then finishing, you know, seventh or whatever. Uh, they've kind of had that stock ticker type of of table finish, but yeah, it's it's Conte's clearly has his sights elsewhere. Whether that's back to Italy, whether that is Paris, like he's clearly out. I think um, in that Grant Wall report that I talked about earlier in the in the podcast, it mentioned that like internally, it's an open secret that Conte is not going to be back next year. And like this is what Chelsea does. They you know they can't stick a manager for very long, so they'll bring in some other you know high price big name guy. They have a lot of talent, and they'll you know bring back talent they have on loan um, or sign guys of the summer. They'll probably win the league next year. And like, this is just what Chelsea does. So they have a really good year followed by a disappointing year. And so this is, we're in that downswing a little bit. Um, it's still a pretty good year for them, but you know, I think, a bit, I think it's fair to call it a disappointment. So do you, I didn't quite answer the question. What if they win the FA Cup? Do you think they it's win- if they win the FA Cup, it's if they win the FA Cup and finish in fifth, it's still probably it's it's Arsenal bittersweet. I mean, it's Arsenal esque, right? Like, <laughs> right, right. I mean, I don't think the fans and I don't think the owners could be happy with that, given that you won the week the year before. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's. I don't know. Fifth fifth place is tough. And to be clear, when you say they were probably going to win the league next year, you mean just based on their, you know, Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, they're schizophrenic play. Like they'll, you know, they'll sign some guy, some guy from the Netherlands, um, from you know Ajax's team that turns out to be like fantastic, and or you know bring back one of the seventy-five players they have on a loan. Um, and, you know he flourishes, and it's not even an exaggeration. It is no, it's not. They've turned it into a like a money making scheme for him and uh and, and Chelsea will just bounce right back because you know they they love riding the, the first year manager high there. <laughs> where do you where do you rank this Chelsea team in terms of raw talent? So in the top six I'll just rank the top six in terms of talent. I think it goes City, United, Pool, Chelsea, Spurs, Arsenal. I yeah. think I think Liverpool has more talent just because of their attacking three and their midfields impressed me. I thought losing Coutinho was going to be worse for them than it's turned out to be. I think Khan and Oxley Chamberlain have like been really impressive, and the back line's been pretty st- sturdy. So yeah, I would put 
Pool third, and then Chelsea fourth, Tottenham fifth, and then Burnley. Yeah, I think, and then Burnley <laughs> exactly. I think, um, I think that top six would be my exact order as well. Um, so yeah, Chelsea, Chelsea plays Leicester this weekend, FA Cup on Sunday. Um, it's really the only thing they have going for them right now. Chelsea, probably the toughest remaining schedule too out of the teams competing for competing for the top um for the top five uh, we'll call it uh i know they play liverpool either the second or third to last game of the season and i believe they still have a game against city so uh tough when two out of your eight games are teams in the top four um, so bringing up their fixtures now in the epl sorry to cut you off they have spurs Spurs. That's what that's what it was. They don't play City. They play Spurs. Spurs, Pool. Um, I mean, they've got less uh, Le- uh, Leicester. Sorry, that's FA Cup. They still have to play Burnley, and Burnley can take points off of anyone. They'll have they finish at Newcastle, who might be fighting relegation spot. They but they also play like Southampton, Huddersfield, Swansea. Right. Um, they'll pick up points for sure. But that Spurs game is huge. It's uh, at Chelsea. At Chelsea, it's a, I was mentioning to you earlier, Spurs played this past Sunday and then don't don't play until that Chelsea game, which is April 1st. They don't play an EPL game, which is just, like, wild. Good. Um, Thank you, international I, break. <laughs> yeah. Any, any last thoughts on Chelsea? I was impressed. Uh, they... they I was impressed because they tried super hard, and you know sometimes when you're just not the ta- more when you're not the more talented team and you're on the road, you know not packing it in is a win in itself because a lot of teams just pack it in. So good, good on them. I think I think they gave their fans, uh, their traveling fans, uh, a good effort. Um, sometimes you're just playing the best team in the world. And there's really nothing you can do about it. Yep. Um. All right, we'll take another break, and when we come back, we'll talk about some dream Champions League matchups, um, and then we'll preview the few but important games from the weekend. Raw is this Friday at 7 a.m. I always, with these draws, it's great. Like, I always forget about them. And then I wake up on the day of the draw, and I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. Like, I forgot <laughs> this is, ha- you know, it, it's, like, exciting. The so Rambo Chat Christmas. The Rambo Chat Christmas. It, it comes a couple of times a year. So the draw is this Friday at 7 a.m. The first leg is April 3rd and 4th. The second leg is just the following week. So it's sort of like the Europa style where, you know, they're like, okay, we need to finish this competition before the summer. Um, <laughs> So they play back-to-back weeks. Um, we've gone through the eight teams uh, over the past two weeks. What do you think your dream? Give me two matchups that you think are like your dream matchups. The thing, the matchups that you might find the most entertaining or the, the best storylines. Okay, I'll I'll give you all of them, but we, we'll talk about two. I want um, the two I want to talk about: Man City, Munich again, um, and then the other one would be. I would. Lo- I want to see Liverpool Madrid. I want to see Barcelona Juventus, and then Roma Sevilla. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. I, I, don't, 
I don't think anyone would have chosen maybe any of those but City Byron. But give, give me your justification. So Roma Sevilla, I just let one of the teams get to this um, the semis because I, I think that'd be pretty yeah, cool I, for I, them. I figured. But um, Barca UV, I think that's just a classic match. We've seen it a few times. Um, they're just it's just going to be excellent. Excellent soccer. Yeah, saw it in the Champions um, League final a couple a couple of years ago. Yeah, I talked uh, about it last week. City Munich. I just the atmosphere, the talent on both sides, like attacking and defending. I just think like that might be like the most well played lay uh, fixture of any of these. It may not be the most fun, but it'll be just like the highest quality. Um, and so yeah, and I was talking about the colors and. You know, Allianz Stadium is pretty wild, and I think even um, the city, the city supporters will will go all out. And then like Liverpool Madrid, I think that would be freaking awesome. Like I think it, aggregate it might be like nine seven, but like the goals, like back and forth, just counter pressing each other, and Salah taking on Ramos, and hopefully just like embarrassing him, and then you know Ronaldo trying to get it back the the next minute. Like I think the drama and the intrigue and the just high flying electricity, electric soccer you would see would be just so exciting. So I would I would hope for another snowstorm if that's the draw I got. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go, so I'm going to go with one that's probably less popular, but I have a little Serie A bias. Uh, I think Roma, <laughs> I think Roma Juve would be absolutely insane. I mean, the, the last time you had two Italian teams, uh, in the final eight, uh, I may be missing, you know, I may be. Is that being Napoli's year when they made it to the yeah, against Chelsea? that's what I'm thinking. Like maybe it was Napoli. Napoli Juve, um, but if not, I mean, just Roma Juve would be a fantastic tie. Uh, Roma plays Juve well. Uh, Juve has a little bit of an edge, but for the most part, uh, these are two well-matched teams. Uh, the, the you know just the passion that would go into these two games with with those fans um, that would be something great to see. Uh, and then it guarantees another Italian team in the final four, which would be great. <laughs> the other, yeah. the other matchup I would really want to see is Barcelona City. Um, <laughs> who who gets more possession in this tie? <laughs> I don't know. How many passes are there? Fifteen hundred, sixteen hundred. You know, uh, they'll, just, they'll hit two thousand. Yeah, right. Like I, Barcelona City to me would be absolutely insane. You know, Pep versus Pep and his team versus sort of pep and his legacy if you will um <laughs> which is the same by the way at city and munich <laughs> which is kind of funny yeah but i don't think i don't think he made as much of a mark on munich as he did on barcelona oh you're you're absolutely correct there yeah you know Barcelona's- and I, I don't think anyone would, I, I think he would probably agree with you there and that's why you know he's not at Bayern anymore um it's yeah city city versus barcelona would be great the one thing I'll say about City and the one thing I'll say about Bayern is um, City is obviously having a historic year. They're going to win the Premier League, but I haven't seen them challenged quite yet. And, you know, they sure played Liverpool, for example, uh, were awarded a, a red early in the first game and the second game they lose. Um you know, they, they played some good games against United, but those are really the only chances we've had to see their absolute quality. 
Um, and I would like to see them come up against a very, very strong opponent and see how this team, uh, you know, measures against other top teams in Europe. Yeah, um, I mean, we could say the same about Munich. Like, we haven't really and, and seen them tested just, either. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I was just going to say. And and I want to see the same thing uh, of Munich. You know, with Munich and PSG, it's almost like we don't know how good they are until they play good teams. So yeah. we know. I would we, I would totally save City Munich for like for a semi. That might be like a desired semifinal. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I'm excited for the draw. I don't think there's really too many bad matchups. Um, because if Sevilla draws either of the two Spanish teams, I mean, that's going to be a great you know, tie no matter what. And it, I think Roma-Liverpool would be a little disappointing, uh, to be honest. There would be a lot of goals there. I think Roma, like, Roma City would be disappointing or, or Sevilla City, thing, you know, something like that. Yeah. Um, Honestly, even Barcelona-Liverpool, like, I know Mazin wanted that. He talked about that last weekend. Like, there's there's off the field and like transfer drama, but I don't, I don't know. I just don't think Liverpool right now has the horses. I just be, I would be worried. And I just like, I don't think that would be as exciting and entertaining as some of these other possibilities. But I, I think for, from Madison's point of view, that was the whole point, right? Like Liverpool probably aren't going to win the competition. So why not just, you know, take one of these teams and see how well they measure sort of like what I was just saying about city. Um, and then it, it's sort of like when Leicester was eliminated by Barcelona a couple of years ago. Right? It's like, it's like, well, at least they went out playing Barcelona. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, the worst, the worst case of Liverpool would be to like to draw Roma or Sevilla and then, and then drop out because then you're like, well, we're, you know, we're worse than United. Obviously, obviously a completely different circumstance, but Liverpool, uh, completely controlled the two games against Sevilla in a group stage, so I wouldn't be so worried about. <laughs> Sevilla also stormed back and and got a draw, so you'd be you'd be a yeah, little worried well, yeah, there. Yeah, yeah sure, sure. Um, but but Liverpool had no problem dispatching them in the second uh, tie, in the second game. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's. I, I think the exciting thing about uh, this round of eight is there aren't really a lot of bad draws, so I'm looking forward to. Uh, the draw again this Friday, 7 a.m. Um, that'd be good. It'd be good to talk about it next week. You know, we'll have an international break where we could speculate all we want about these games. Yeah. Um, this international break. Do we want to talk about World Cup or are we going to save that till the summer? Uh, we, we could talk about some, well, we could talk about some friendlies. Um, right. We'll have this editorial meeting now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll add it, we'll add it to the to the docket. So real quick, I mean, we've gone through a couple of the FA Cup games this weekend. Again, United Spurs and Chelsea all in action against lesser uh, English opponents. Uh, Spurs, tricky game versus Swans. Uh, and oh, yeah, Chelsea. this is a game they'll lose for sure. Because, they, I mean, this is the type of game that, like, they would want Kane to, you know, score in the 83rd minute to save, you know, save their ass. But, but Kane out... As as of now, at the rest of the month, uh, with some ankle damage. Yeah, that's um, not great. Not great. Not great. Oh. Yeah, gotta mention it. Um, <laughs> I think that I, I think the most exciting th- game this weekend actually is the are the FA Cup darlings Wigan versus Southampton. So absolutely, <laughs> Wigan with a potential return to the semi final. No, what are we doing? Quarterfinals? Not semifinals. 
uh, of the um, of the FA Cup. Uh, the other two, the other two games worth mentioning: Palace and Huddersfield. Uh, another, uh, these two teams are separated by four points at the bottom of the table. Palace. Yeah, back that's Premier League. League. You're saying. Yeah, exactly. Premier League, uh, Palace back in the relegation zone after, you know, it seemed they had been playing well. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, the collapse at United. The collapse yeah, those, they needed those points, turns out. They, they did. Um, so so separated by just four points in the in the league, Huddersfield, um, you know, floating above the relegation zone. And then West Brom, bottom of the table with a, a tough match at Bournemouth. Bournemouth. Or high flying, score a lot of goals at home. Yeah, um, they they gave Spurs a bit of a scare. Um, they did. You know, I, that was it was odd to hear, but I mean, I trust the commentators didn't get that fact completely wrong. But that was the first game Spurs all year had to come back to win. Uh, and I mean, I'm glad they did. I don't want to draw points um, to Bournemouth. Stoke Everton is interesting from a like Stoke really has to just be throwing everything they can uh, to to save themselves. So. Yeah, that game should be interesting. Although now that we say it, it'll probably be a slog. <laughs> I if I had, if I had to go with the bet, which speaking of, we'll get to the the lock of the week with Mister Chang in a minute. Um, if I had to go with another bet, Stoke Everton over a lot of goals. <laughs> yeah. next, next Stoke Stoke worst defense in the league, and I think Everton's second worst defense in the league. So, um, so Mr. Chang actually can't can't join us on the phone today, but I I hear you have his uh his lock, and and we have to point out that Mr. Chang still undefeated four zero and zero five zero and zero isn't he five I, I was gonna say or five zero and zero with the asterisks because he had two locks last week and wound up crushing both of them. So what, <laughs> uh, I believe he emailed you. What was the what was his pick for this week? So this week, uh, get your bets in between. I don't know the like two hours you'll have when this post and the game starts, but uh, he's <laughs> taking the Europa fixture Marseille at Bilbao and he's taking the total under two and a half. And I actually, we both talk about this. We really like this bet. Marseille leads the, the tie three, uh, one on aggregate from the first match. Bilbao can win two, nothing and advance with that away goal. So that may not be the most likely scoreline, but I think the under bet makes a lot of sense here. Marseille has a big game this Sunday in Lyon, um, trying to, pre- or, I'm sorry, at home to Lyon, and they're trying to prevent Lyon catching them in, uh, I don't even know what it's called, Ligon. So, yeah. yeah, this is a good bet. This is a good bet. I mean, if you're Team X and you have a 3 1 lead on aggregate and you're traveling to Team Y, how hard are you trying to score? I would say not very difficult you're yeah doing you're you're parking the bus and you're you know you give up one and maybe you send you know you park the bus even harder <laughs> exactly um all right i think that's it for this week next week we'll preview uh the champions league matchups which i'm again i I'm pretty excited for so look out for that next week take care ryan take care hopefully mazin will rejoin us in the real world Thank <laughs> you.